From Press Communications, LLC, this is Jersey Shore Matters with Diane de Oliveira. 64% of U.S. teens reported feeling the world is more stressful now than when parents were their age, and teen girls were more likely to report feelings of anxiety than teen boys, according to a recent poll done for the National Institute on Mental Illness. Joining me today to discuss the mental health crisis in teens and children is Dr. Tara Shalakani, CEO of Preferred Behavioral Health Group in Toms River. Thank you so much for being on the show. It is my pleasure, Diane. Thanks for having me. There are so many factors that contribute to teen mental health, but the COVID-19 pandemic really seems to have magnified how worse it has become. You know, as a parent of a teen boy, I hear and see things sometimes that are alarming, not just from kids, but from concerned adults as well. The pandemic was hard for adults to cope with and it might still be. So it's not surprising to see how kids might be having difficulty adjusting. Absolutely. And I just want to put something into perspective that the human brain isn't really done developing until somewhere between 25 to 27 years old, depending on the individual. And the entire pandemic was a traumatic event in our lives and in the development of these young people. So it, it absolutely impacted their brain functioning their, the brain chemicals, how they perceive the world. So it is no surprise to me and my colleagues that this is happening right now. What factors can make teens more vulnerable to developing mental illness? Well, family history is, is always an influencer. I mean, mental illness is no different than a physical illness. So if a parent or a grandparent or someone in the family, and that's something that we clinicians do inquire about when we meet our young clients, they're more likely. And then you mentioned earlier that teens today feel that they have more stress than their parents growing up in this generation. And there's no denying that screen time and social media is is a persistent issue for adults as well as teens and children. And there's so much that they're seeing and listening to and feeling that that also is a big hit to their mental health at this point in time. I read where anxiety disorders are among the most common mental illnesses found in teens and that four to five percent of kids between the ages of 10 and 19 years old, 10 and 19, have experienced an anxiety disorder. I mean, 10 years old was kind of shocking when I read that. How can we recognize when a child or teen is struggling with their mental health? Sure. And and these statistics, I think, are even a little higher, quite honestly. And um, eight to 10 year olds right now are the, the highest number we're seeing of suicidal thoughts. So the young ones are really struggling. But some of the signs are, first and foremost, we, we need to pay attention. As parents and caregivers, we really need to not get caught up in our own stuff and really be watching our children that are under our care. And school is, is a huge barometer for functioning because that's where our kids are spending most of their time. So I recommend getting in touch 
with teachers, if you're seeing changes in your child, if they're if they seem distracted, they're having a hard time focusing, if they're irritable or just acting out of character, if they're having issues with their sleep, their appetite, and also any issues with socialization, which maybe, you know, they're, they're not interested in playing outside or they're not interested in hanging out with their friends. Those are all the big key signs. But having good dialogue with anyone that is spending a lot of time with your child like school faculty, it's good to check in with them and have good communication. You know, I'm noticing my son or daughter is, hasn't been themselves lately. What are you seeing at school? And even if they haven't noticed anything, at least it puts them on alert to pay a little bit more attention. So we really need to work together. And if any parent is suspecting something's up, they need to get help. Because if your child wakes up with a fever or vomiting or something, you run to the pediatrician. So we need to prioritize mental health the same way we do physical health. Dr. Shalakani, depression also is a a big factor with a lot of teens and in younger children, which was also surprising to to see. I know statistics, you might have something a little different, but the CDC, from what I read, estimates there's nearly 7 million children Three to 18. I was shocked to see three years old to 18 are affected by depression. It's the second most common teen mental health disorder with 13% affected by depression. How do we know a three-year-old is depressed? I just found that so alarming that children that young experience depression. Well, and, and sadly, it is not uncommon in my world. But the thing that we have to realize is, Diane, that if you and I are friends I could say to you, you know what, Diane, I think I'm depressed. (laughs) You know, we have more of of awareness when we're not ourselves or um, we're not eating right, sleeping right. We, We have more of an awareness of our moods. Children, especially that young, do not have the capacity to articulate their feelings. So, again, it's It's paying attention because children wear depression differently sometimes than adults do. So paying attention to to moods, outbursts, irritability, like I said before, sleep disturbances are a biggie. And you have to think that sleep is important for all of us. But with a developing child, sleep is so critical. It's when they're growing. It's, you know, when their brain is processing everything that happened during the day. So sleep is very, very important. So I would say sleep disturbances, appetite changes. If you have a kid that's usually, you know, loves to eat or loves to eat certain things and all of a sudden they, they don't want it, very often we might label it as something different. Like, oh, they're, you know, getting pickier or they're going through their terrible twos or threes. So we really have to pay attention. And again, the dialogue is important. What I find is very often when I'm working with a child, I'll say to the parent, does the pediatrician, does your pediatrician know what's going on? And they'll say, no, I didn't think to tell them. So when I work with children, I always say, first, go to your pediatrician. Let's be sure that nothing physical or organic is happening. And not only that, but now we have a little team. Now we have people that are watching, just like with the school personnel. You know, so parents don't have to be therapists and psychiatrists. They can engage 
the health providers that they're already connected to. But that's super important, getting that connection, having another set of eyes, putting it on someone's radar so we're not misdiagnosing or missing something really important. Dr. Shalakani, you did kind of answer my next question. I was going to ask you what some preventative measures that adults can take to help struggling teens or children, or what can teens maybe do on their own to try to improve their mental health? Well, I am going to add a little bit to the first part of your question. And what parents can do is to model good behavior and good habits for their children, right? So in order to to keep anxiety and depression at bay, yes, mental health care is paramount. And, and I will always say that someone should have a therapist because it will only help you. But we have to exercise. We have to move our bodies. Kids don't get out anymore like they used to, you know, where we used to get booted out and we were told, come back when the sun goes down kind of thing. You know, they're spending way more time indoors. The outdoor play is actually down 40% in the current generation compared to myself, who's a Gen X or even millennials. That's something important. You know, we want to show our kids that we're, we exercise, we're eating well, we're not spending a lot of time on a screen. We get a good night's sleep because they will follow our lead. So that's something that I think is very simple that parents can do. But for adolescents, You know, I do find that more teens are a little bit more health conscious. And the funny thing is TikTok is kind of the go-to now for (laughs) their hub for information. So not only are they watching funny videos, but I find that a lot of teens are also more interested in spirituality and or maybe they're doing dance routines or exercise routine. So social media isn't all bad. You know, we have to give it credit for also being a source of resources for young people to learn how to be healthier and live a better lifestyle. But again, the the key is we have a responsibility as parents to model what we want to see. We need to normalize going to therapy. We need to be more comfortable talking about our own feelings so that our children will have the language to articulate when they're not feeling 100%. So it really starts with parents. I just want to remind our listeners, this is Jersey Shore Matters. I'm your host, Diane Oliveira, and I'm speaking with Dr. Tara Shalakani, CEO of Preferred Behavioral Health Group in Toms River. And we've just been discussing how the world is uh, a little more stressful now for teens and children and just how we've seen a rise in mental health illness since the pandemic. It seems to have compounded that. And we've been talking about anxiety and depression in younger children and teens. I want to just mention, since the pandemic, it seems like there have been people reaching out for counseling or to get their children or their adolescents help. And there's such a backlog of cases or counselors, uh, whether in school or outside, seem so overwhelmed with the caseload. It's difficult to get help. Uh, Is that something that you're hearing from parents? And sometimes insurance does not cover the counseling. Yes. I mean, we at Preferred Behavioral Health Group have immediate openings. So I would encourage anyone who's listening to contact us. And we are very fortunate and really trying to get the word out that we have recently received funding from the state of New Jersey to go into every public and charter school district in Ocean and Monmouth County 
to provide mental health services in the form of prevention and also mental health counseling. So that is also something that we are able to do, and it just started this school year, and the whole premise of this funding and Governor Murphy's idea and the Commissioner of Department of Children and Families was to fill in these gaps to reduce any obstacles to access to mental health care services throughout the entire state of New Jersey and to get these young people the help that they need. Our program is called COMPASS, which is called Connecting Ocean and Mammoth by partnering with school systems. So we have that program. So I would encourage any listeners in Mammoth and Ocean County to give us the calls so we can get those services into your school district. And you mentioned about the funding being increased to be able to provide help in the schools. New Jersey also included strengthening mental health supports for college students as well. So uh, it's not just the younger children and the teens who are experiencing uh, mental health issues. It's also, as you mentioned earlier, that our brains aren't fully developed uh, until we're, I guess, 25 or 28 years old, I believe you said. Yes, and there, there is there is definitely a heartier presence of counseling services and student services on our college campuses as well, which is a wonderful and welcome initiative. I wanted to bring up, we briefly mentioned about social media, how it can be good in some ways, but... <laughs> As far as when children, younger children especially, they hear and see a lot of things. Uh, There's a lot of conflict going on in the world. You have the Israel-Hamas conflict. You have the Mm -hmm. Russian invasion of Ukraine. Whether you're trying to shield your kids from these things or not, they somehow will end up seeing them some way or another uh, because of social media or because what they're hearing or seeing on TV or the radio. Uh, How do we shield our kids from those things or how do we comfort them to make them not feel afraid or make them feel secure despite what's happening around the world? Well, initially, and I agree with you, it's really hard to shield ourselves because it's everywhere. I mean, you could walk through a store that's selling televisions and it's on the TV, right? right? So it's really unavoidable. But Ultimately, you know, parents are in charge. So any limiting of exposure to this news, I mean, the news is incessant and it's horrifying and it's, it's difficult for we as adults to watch what is happening in these, in these countries and, you know, to, to human lives. So how is a child supposed to process it? So whatever we can do, if we can shut the TV off, if we can limit using parental controls, what they have access to on their phones, shutting the Wi-Fi down at a certain hour at night so that when they go to sleep, they're asleep and they're not on their devices, that is key. So as much of that as possible, speaking to children about the conflict and unrest in the world in age appropriate terms is very important and we need to address it, but address it in a way kind of like I I always like using metaphors and analogies, trying to kind of get children to understand complex concepts in a very simple way. And I mean, it's it can be as simple as showing them a globe or a map and saying that this is far away from here, just to give them some sense of comfort that this is not in our backyard and this is not happening here. Anything that we can do that's concrete and tangible that helps them to not be in their heads and to have a little bit of sense of comfort and safety, knowing that this is not happening here is very important. 
Dr. Shalakana, we are just about out of time. That's great advice. Is there anything else that you would like to add or maybe where people can go to get additional information or resources for help with mental illness or anxiety or depression? So what I would say is we need to live in a space where we no longer stigmatize mental health. It impacts everyone. One out of two people in their lifetime at some point will have an issue with a mental illness, whether it's anxiety, a bout of depression. So we have to understand that this isn't something that it, that we're immune to, that doesn't touch our lives. And we need to understand that caring for ourselves and our mental health is paramount because we cannot be physically healthy if we do not have mental health. Preferred Behavioral Health Group is a resource and has been for almost 50 years in Ocean and Monmouth counties and across New Jersey. We are here to help our neighbors and friends. Our website is www.preferredbehavioral.org. It's a very easy to navigate website with clear distinctions for children, adults, substance use services, whatever your needs are, you'll be able to find it there. We're always here to help. No one is alone. Dr. Tara Shalakani, thank you so much. We appreciate all of your advice and thank you. Thank you again. You can hear Jersey Shore Matters with Diane D'Oliveira every Sunday morning on Press Communications, LLC.